What's up, Cougar Nation? And welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train podcast, as always, with my boys Hunter Miller and Trevor Levitt. Uh, we, uh, as you're going to find out in a second, we got a special show for you guys today. Uh, there's there's a lot going on, but uh, we had a special guest join us, Jake Retzloff, uh, the newest BYU quarterback signee. Uh, and we had a great interview with him a couple days ago, but uh, we're, we're throwing it on the front end of this podcast here. Uh, we're, we're excited to get to it. So without any further ado, uh, let's let's get to Jake. What's up, Cougar Nation? Welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train Podcast. We got a special edition show for you here uh, because we have a really, really cool guest joining us. Uh, Jake, do you want to introduce yourself? What's up, Cougar Nation? I'm, uh, I'm Jake Resloff, a new transfer quarterback from Southern California. Uh, I born and raised in Southern California, played at Riverside City College this past season. Uh, put up some big numbers there and looking up looking to do the same thing at BYU. Love it, man. Love the mentality. You are, as far as we're concerned, you're the future of BYU football. So uh, the moment the moment you committed, you were like, number one, we got to come and interview this guy. But also because uh, I, I have like broadcasted this to everyone who will listen. Jake and I attended the same high school. And I can attest really? with, with, with all my heart and soul, uh, Centennial High School in Corona, California does not make bad football players. Uh, and I know that I know that from experience. So, uh, dude, we are we are so excited to have you on uh, with the BYU program and uh, on the show with us today. Um, but yeah, just kind of want to get to know you a little bit. Um, but the first thing I want to ask, uh, as a, as a former Centennial alum, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Centennial's head football coach Matt Logan and your favorite story from him. Man, Coach Coach Logan is something else. He's he's really one of the best to do it. One of the best I've been around. True professional. He does it right in every single aspect uh, of the game, and he's just an awesome dude. Also, you know, being a quarterback, I get to sit in the meeting room with him every day, uh, and he's just a great dude and a great outlook on on football and on life. And he's taught me a lot. And uh, he's just a great guy. Not a lot of people see a lot about him uh, off off the field. Uh, a couple things that Centen guys know, like like me and you, is that he's uh, he's known around school and as as a sun god because no matter what the weather is going into practice that day, no matter what, he steps out of the office onto the field and, and it's going to be sunny. It could be pouring rain, hailing, snowing, whatever. Once he steps on the field, it's just sunny. It's going to be. It's awesome. That's awesome. I think one of my favorite stories uh, is right before we played Santiago, um, who those of you guys don't know, Santiago is Centennial's biggest rival, even though I think, what is it, like 20 and 0 now? Yeah, I wouldn't call <laughs> uh, them a huge rival, but. They've, they've never beaten Centennial, but I remember uh, right before we went into the game with them on Monday, he came into the film room and said, guys, we're going to run one play the entire game, and they're not going to be able to stop it. I don't know if they still call it search. But basically, it's just like a, it's a concept out of uh, we, we call it ace where you have two receivers on either side. And it's just basically the slot runs an out outside guy runs a vertical. And for some reason, they could not adjust to it to the entire game. And we ended up putting up like 70 points on him. So, um, yeah, like he's he's just kind of a wizard, but he's really a quarterback whisper. Jake is like just another quarterback in a long line of, of great QBs. Um, I, I can't like Tanner McKee, you guys would all know his name. Uh, he ended up going to Stanford, uh, Izzy Carter right now. I uh, was a quarterback this past year going to Arizona state. Um, but Jake's just another great quarterback in that line. Um, but I kind of want to hear your, your career trajectory has been kind of interesting. Um, because of COVID, uh, you get, you didn't really have much of a senior year. 
So I kind of want to hear about uh, your recruitment process and, and kind of what led your career path to uh, RCC. Yeah, so coming out of coming out of high school, like you said, it was COVID season. We didn't get all recruiting that could have been just kind of fizzled out and dissolved. And so uh, it was kind of like, all right, what do I want to do? I want to keep playing football, so let's go. Let's go the junior college route um, and, and basically bet on myself. And uh, I don't know those who know about junior college, but junior college is a grind. It's it's a different type of football, you know. <laughs> the funding is not there. The nothing is there, but you got to show up and do it every day. Uh, and so first I went to Golden West College, uh, played under Nick Mitchell, the head coach, and uh, the uh, offensive coordinator, John Shipp, uh, was a, is actually kind of a family friend of ours. Uh, my dad actually coached him in college, which is interesting, and then they coached together. So it was kind of an easy transition to Golden West College where we had a great season. We went 11-1. Um, and after that year, recruitment like kind of was during the season, it wasn't much coming in. And then towards the end, something came in, and, and that's where I got offered by Hawaii right before the coaching staff change and then offered by New Mexico state and UTEP. Uh, at one point in time, I was pretty, pretty set on going to UTEP. Um, but that didn't really come through, uh, some, uh, academic issues happened there. And then, so going to the off season, it was like, all right, let's just kind of transfer locally to RCC, which is a lot closer to my house, easier to stay at home. Uh, my brother was also uh, a receiver on the team there. So it was a lot easier for me to go there for, for that spring semester. And then, uh, that was kind of after that spring semester in that early summers where I kind of had my first interaction with BYU. Uh, Coach A-Rod came out to visit me and, and watched me throw a little bit. And and uh, I guess he liked what he saw. And then after that, I had, ended up playing a year at RCC. And then, you know, I was kind of talking intermittently throughout the season with uh, Coach Mitchell and, and Coach A-Rod. And then at the end of this year, everything kind of panned out and worked out perfectly. And, and here I am. So you yeah, mentioned – Sorry, go ahead, Joe. No, I was just, uh, you, you mentioned like the gaudy numbers that you put up. Uh, I'll, I'll say it so you don't have to. Uh, what was it, like 4,500 yards this last season, 44 touchdowns, 13 picks? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. If it was like 4,597. So I like to say 4,600, but technically it's not right. But right, 40, We'll go yeah, with 46. Yeah, we'll we'll round up. They and probably, six, they probably yeah. cost you a yard or two here and there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, six, six, six rushing touchdowns to round that number to 50 total. Let's go, dude. Bill, there, there was that one throw uh, you posted on your Twitter account. It was just like a ridiculous throw, step up in the pocket. And I don't even know like what your arm angles are, but uh, <laughs> like I, it looks like a submarine pitcher in baseball where uh, you just like launched it to the sideline and ends up being like a 30-bar completion. I think got called back for holding, which is ridiculous. But yeah, uh, yeah, we'll count, yeah. We'll count that one and that gets you over. Uh, yeah, that'll get me yeah. over that six yards for sure. Yeah, that was so a crazy you- play. So you mentioned hearing from, you know, Coach A-Rod and you had been in touch with other schools like UTEP in the past. Who were you all hearing from, uh, you know, during your year at RCC? Was it just BYU or were there other schools in the mix as well? No, uh, other schools kind of came in and and, uh, it was kind of like here and there, like uh, Troy University down Alabama came in and recruited me. Uh, Coastal Carolina did, which I thought was interesting. You know, the kind of class between Coastal Carolina and BYU (laughs) a couple years ago, that was that was interesting to me that that staff ended up moving to uh, and going to Liberty. Um, yep. and so they kind of picked up where they left off the recruitment there too. That's uh, a little closer of a cultural fit, yeah. I think, to BYU than Coastal Carolina. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and then also came in kind of at the very end, uh, Louisiana Tech earlier in the season was a little bit. Georgia Southern came in and talked to me a little bit um, here and there. But, 
you know, BYU stayed on me throughout the whole process and stuck with me. And so I stuck with them. What was it about BYU that made you want to kind of stick with them? And, you know, what was it about coach A-Rod that kind of made you think that BYU was the right fit for you? I mean, what isn't there about BYU that's so lovable right now, especially for a quarterback coming in, you know, with the quarterback history, uh, all the way back to Detmer, who uh, who won a Heisman, I'm pretty sure. And, and uh, of course, Steve Young to the more recent Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, that NFL talent. I mean, this is a, this is a quarterback school. There's a quarterback university uh, to me. And so, so that was really appealing. Um, just the recent success and the old success. It, it was awesome to see this community really kind of is, you know, supports BYU football like no other. And it's awesome to see that stadium be filled. And, uh, you know, I've seen the pictures, the videos of it all. I was I was watching that Baylor game this year at home, and I felt like I was in the stadium. The excitement was so loud and so exciting. And so there's just – I mean, to me, it's what not to love about this place, and so that's why I'm here. You, you mentioned awesome. you're, you mentioned you're have in you, trouble have you been right to a game? now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was I, saying this kind of question. You mentioned you're living in Provo right now. Uh, were you able, I noticed some of the BYU football guys went to the BYU Gonzaga basketball game a few days ago. Were you able to go to that with some guys or? Yeah. You know, I'm really mad. I didn't get to go. Uh, my parents came in town to help move me in. And so I spent the the evening with them. We went to dinner and everything like that, but, uh, it was, it was really cool to watch. I watched a little on TV. Um, and I saw that, that free throw psych out is pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to heading over there and going to a game or two this off season. That'll, That'll be fun. Definitely. Have you been to a game in Lavelle Edwards Stadium yet? Uh, I haven't. Uh, it hasn't really worked out. I wanted to go to one during the season sometime this year, but my bye week for all away games for you guys for BYU, and so it was yeah. really uh, it kind of didn't work out great. But yeah, no man, it's 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 different. Like uh, the the student section here is called the Rock, uh, and I think for basketball games it fits six thousand students, and for football games it fits thirteen. Uh, so it is, it is loud. It is rowdy. It is obnoxious. Uh, and no one swears and it's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if, I don't know if you listen to the interview that, uh, your new teammate Keaton Slovis did, uh, a couple of years ago. If not, we'll have to send it to you. But I talked about how, like how kind everyone was and how it was like kind of weird. Uh, cause <laughs> all the, all the heckling that was going on was like, Oh my gosh, they're sober while they're doing it, and uh, it, just, it psyched him out a little bit because normally you can tune that out, but it's a little yeah, harder when you, the guy knows you know, what you're saying. You yeah. know that if a BYU fan is saying something to you, they mean it because yeah, they're not inebriated. It's truly sixty thousand sober crazy fans. Yeah, I think oh. he also compared it to the Truman Show a little bit, and you know that sort of vibe. But uh, it's definitely one of the more unique places in college football. But uh, you know, the BYU students and Lavelle, Lavelle Edwards Stadium gets just as loud as, you know, some of the biggest stadiums in the country, yeah. uh, you know, especially during big games, which you'll be a big part of, you know, as BYU joins the Big 12. Uh, what was that kind of like? Did that factor into your decision at all to come to BYU to kind of, you know, be a part of a P5 football program? Definitely. I mean, that's what you kind of want to do growing up, coming through a Centennial's football program, especially you see you know, every year you got a, a group of seniors moving on up and, and a good chunk of those are always going power five. And and so you're always rooting for those guys. And so you just want to be kind of like them when you get older. And so so coming through, it was always, you know, aspiration of mine to, to come play at the power five level. And and it's exciting because I know BYU football has always looked at power five school as a power five school, even though they're independent, kind of like Notre Dame in that sense. But uh, but it, it but now it's it's really stamped and into the BYU football program. And it's really exciting. Every week is going to be a big week. Love it. 
Uh, what was kind of your first impression with when when B, when you first heard from BYU? What was kind of your initial impression of BYU football at the time, and how has that evolved uh, over the recruitment process? You know, it's it's really kind of st- stayed basically the same. Is is once they first you know got in contact with me, you know, it was kind of like uh, that's the big why showing up on their chest, and and then, you know, I was like, okay, that that's some serious quarterback football right there, and that's a quarterback friendly system, and I, and I knew that. Uh, going into the recruitment process, and that's basically stayed the same. It's knowing that this is this offense is quarterback friendly, and and so it, you know you get to you get to really excel as a QB here. Love was it. A, was a Rod your primary recruiter that you kind of had contact with? Uh, a Rod and Coach Mitchell. Okay, and, Coach and what were you, what was your impression of Coach A Rod? What was he like as a recruiter, and you know why did you want to come play for him? Uh, Coach A Rod, I mean, as a recruiter, you could just see the OC in him. Uh, he's just always so cool, calm and collected. And, and that's what everybody says around him. And it really is true that that dude is never, never crazy excited and never down in the gutter. He's just always the same. It's, it's honestly crazy how he can do it so much. And, you know, it's obviously practiced and learned and, and to, to develop that skill as an offense coordinator, as a quarterback is really important. And so that's, that's kind of exciting to look forward to in a game is when even the best of the best is happening or the worst of the worst is happening. You know, you're going to have that calm, consistent voice in, in your ear and you know that uh, everything's all right. It's just about the next thing to do. Love it. And so now that uh, you're, you're on campus, right? You, you've started classes, everything like yeah. that. Uh, what's what's it been like? Uh, I guess, what's your first week of school been like? And then kind of give us an insight into what your off season looks like as you prepare for fall camp here in August. Yeah. So uh, getting here was awesome. Uh, a cool nine hour drive from, sunny Southern California up here. And so uh, once I got here, the first thing you see is, is those big mountains to your right as you drive in from the South side. And, and those have been honestly crazy to me. You look right at them and you feel like you got to lean back because they're right on top of you, but they're, they're gorgeous. And the scenery here is, is truly amazing. I know, I think sports center ESPN ranked it number one, and that's for a reason for the scenery around here. It's, it's spectacular. I mean, walking through campus has, has been nice. You know, I, I kind of look lost half the time for the first couple of days, but uh, but I ended up figuring it out, and uh, I hope not to get lost again. Um, you know, so so it's been great. I mean, the people here are great. The, the whole program has really been super helpful so far. You know, it's it starts deep in with the you know the academic support and and all that really builds up this program, and, and they're all awesome, and they've helped me a lot during this transition. You mentioned kind of BYU's history with quarterbacks, and obviously there's been a lot of guys who have gone to the NFL uh, in recent years, Zach Wilson being one, Taysom Hill, and hopefully Jaron Hall this year. Uh, but who are some of the NFL guys or even past college players who maybe you look up to and kind of have modeled your game after? You know, who who do you try to emulate, and what's your playing style as a quarterback? Uh, you know, growing up, I was a big Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, seeing Favre chuck it for a little bit when I was really young and then seeing Rodgers kind of as I've grown up as a quarterback. So that kind of unconventional way Rodgers has always played has been uh, really appealing to me. And and, and I like that that younger Rodgers, uh, obviously he doesn't move that much anymore. He used to move a little bit when he was older. Uh, I think I definitely got cut legs that um, I don't know if he's got now, you know. Um, but my playing style, I mean, it, it's uh, – it's like you mentioned the arm angles earlier that that just kind of comes from my baseball background and, and I could, you know, release the ball at any point and, and it's really beneficial getting the ball around defenders and stuff like that. And, and not only being able to do the the simple things, you know, throw the ball accurately downfield, it's, it's the other things like escaping the pocket and improvising that, that I've really excelled at this past season, especially. And so 
So that kind of thing, you know, where running left on right or vice versa is, is what I'm good at. And so, um, you know, I'm happy and excited to apply that here. And what position did you play in baseball? I play shortstop and I pitched a little bit also. Love it. We, we, we always say at BYU, we want quarterbacks who play like a shortstop. So I guess that's, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, seems like quarterbacks with baseball backgrounds tend to, you know, be successful. Tom Brady, Colin Kaepernick, Russell Wilson, a few in the NFL, Jaron Hall, you know, played baseball while he was also quarterbacking the BYU football team for a couple of years. So we, we, we love quarterbacks with baseball backgrounds around here. So that's great. Yeah. And they just seem to fit perfectly in the, the Roderick offense. Like, I mean, Zach and Jaron, especially like have been awesome and off and off platform throws. Uh, they trained a lot with John Beck. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with him at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's that's that's kind of become a staple of the BYU quarterback the last few years is being able to throw off platform. Um, but uh, you know, speaking of your time here at BYU so far, uh, who have kind of become your your best friends on the team so far? You mentioned uh, before we got on who your roommates were, but who have you kind of been in contact with uh, on the team? Um, and then, if 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 any, what kind of uh, are you are you involved in recruiting receivers at all out of the transfer portal? Um, well, you know, first came in after the announcement and everything, uh, you know, Chase Roberts hit me up on, uh, on Instagram and kind of welcomed me in. And so that's been, that's been a, you know, I really appreciated him for that. And kind of, he, he's made it easy to transition in, uh, you know, those roommates I'm staying with, I'm staying with, uh, three other transfers. And so we're all kind of going through this together, you know, Aiden Robin, Ian Fischel, the old lineman, he came in yesterday and, uh, and Jaden Dunlap also. And so, those guys are going through the same thing I am. So, so it's fun to, you know, kind of realize that you could kind of take a deep breath and be like, okay, I'm not going crazy. These guys got to go through the same stuff. And, and so other than that, man, it's just been that the quarterback room has welcomed me pretty well. And, and I got to meet all them this week. And uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, coach, coach Mitchell's helped me get through it all. And, and a couple of the receivers, uh, Hobbs, he, uh, he helped me out and helped me get settled into my room. And, and so, yeah, I mean, the guys have been great so far and I'm just looking forward to building relationships with them. Yeah. Awesome. Cody Epps is someone you're really going to have to get close with. He's a, he's a fellow Southern California guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you played against him uh, when he was at modern day. Uh, Centennial yeah. seems to play modern day quite often. Yeah. Um, but then speaking of your, uh, speaking of the quarterback room, um, BYU's obviously got, they, they brought in Keaton Slovis um out of the transfer portal out of pit uh you got a couple of returning guys with like Cade Fennigan uh Soljay Maiava Peters who started in the bowl game but what's kind of your your mentality going into a quarterback competition uh when the starting spot is kind of up in the air what's your mentality going into you know this offseason and in fall camp uh for me it's just you know take advantage of every opportunity uh you know something I kind of live by it's on my huddle profile it's just stay patient and never settle so I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'll be patient and uh, I know I got an opportunity to, uh, to come in and, and, and compete. And so uh, I'm just going to go after that spot and compete and, and I'm not going to settle for anything. You know, I'm just going to go out and, and take every rep seriously as, as much as I can. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, we're going to, at the end of the day, a, a competition, we're going to push each other. So no matter who comes out on top, we're just going to be motivating each other and, and be able to get better because at the end of the day, iron sharpens iron. So it'll be, it'll be a fun you know, spring and fall ball for us, for sure. That's awesome. Last question for me, because I know you got some NFL playoffs you want to get back to watching. <laughs> but um, uh, what would be kind of the one thing you want BYU fans to know about Jake Retzloff as a quarterback and as, you know, a teammate? 
that, that's a great question. Uh, man, I think it's just like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit more laid back than uh, I think people get from me as a quarterback because as a quarterback, you always got to be on, on top of everybody and everything. But I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just a really, really chill guy, cool guy, uh, uh, a little goofy at times or a lot of goofy at times. And so I think uh, they might learn that through, through uh, watching me play here. It's just like I'm going to be having a lot of fun on the field. I got a lot of passion for this game. And and uh, my goal at the end of the day is to have more fun than anybody else. So so uh, there'll be a lot of smiles from me and – in the good and, and in the bad, I'll be keeping my head up and knowing that there's a next play. But, but overall, man, I just, uh, this game is, is fun for me and I got a, I got a lot of love for it. So that's just kind of me in football. Love it, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and then, sorry, one more question. Uh, I've been asked a couple of times by, by fans is, uh, as I told them we were, we were going to interview, they want to know how your brother's doing. Uh, it sounds like you have a brother played at RCC. Um, what's, uh, he seems to have quite, have had quite the interesting uh, career trajectory as well. So how's his recruitment going? Uh, he's doing all right. Uh, so he's, he's staying at RCC for the spring semester to finish up some academic work. Uh, I mean, I, I can understand the question about him because, you know, as good as my quarterback numbers were at RCC, he, he matched that with his receiver numbers throughout the season. I think he, he led almost every category in the country at, for a Juco receiver. And uh, somehow he was left out of the top, uh, 50 by ESPN. Uh, that must've been a typo for all we know, because, because uh, they put DBs on there that he, he gave the business to. So, but no, he's staying at RCC for this next, for this next semester. Uh, he's got a little bit of interest uh, from schools, uh, but man, I'd love to have him here just as much as you guys or anybody else would. He's, he's, he's a great receiver and uh, he's been overlooked a lot in his career. And so that'd be awesome if we can get him here in the summer. Yeah, man. Awesome. Yeah. Jake Retzloff, uh, great brother, great quarterback, uh, number one JC quarterback uh, in the country, dude. We we are so excited to have you. Uh, it's, and I think I speak for Cougar Nation when I say like, dude, we were so excited. Like the moment the moment we saw your highlight tape, uh, we were just like, holy cow, man, this guy is this guy looks like a BYU quarterback in every aspect of the word. Uh, so we are we are stoked for you, um, and we we wish you all the best of luck as you go into this offseason, into this quarterback competition and we're rooting for you, man. It's, it's, uh, we, we have a, an embarrassment of riches here at BYU in the quarterback position and you're a big part of that. So we look forward to you being a part of this team, uh, this year as, as well as, uh, the next couple of years going into the big 12. Um, any parting words, Hunter and Jake? Oh man, just, I'm excited to see what comes of this and, uh, Cougar nation. Let's go win ourselves a big 12 championship. Let's get it, man. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. Cougar Nation, have you heard of Coug Connect? Coug Connect is the longest-running, most experienced NIL collective in Provo. Coug Connect was started by Cougar fans at the request of the players and always seek their input for what they want to do in NIL. Go to CougConnect.com today. Become a paying subscriber for $9.99 a month. 90% of all subscriptions is used to create NIL deals for the players. Go Cougs! Go Cougs! Go Cougs! Okay, if that guy doesn't sound like a BYU quarterback, then what does? <laughs> what a winner. He's he's just a stud, man. Super personable, awesome young man. Uh and I don't, I don't know. He's just got he just got the energy that I love. Uh he's got one thing that you guys couldn't see was he was rocking a chain during the interview. Uh and I 
I can't say what I'm thinking right now, but any BYU quarterback that wears a chain is just fine in my book. <laughs> he, he's just – He's just the type of guy that, so obviously I wasn't able to be there. I had um, some places that I had to be when this interview was taking place, but he's just one of those guys that you listen to and you get really excited. Um, and and what an awesome position to be in where, you know, whether it's him or whether it's Slovis and then him to, to have somebody like that in your QB room. Uh, like that's something that's like, that's somebody that you could, you can tell, is going to go out there and challenge whoever's he's competing with at the quarterback position to be better. And just like he said in the interview, iron sharpens iron. And and he's just the type of guy that can make a team and a position group better. So I'm really excited for him. Totally. I think the one thing I really liked was the mentality. Like he's obviously confident enough to, you know, want to come in and, and win the starting job right away. But I love that uh, like his mantra is like, stay patient, never settle. Um, because he's like Keaton Slovis came in to, to start. And I'm, I'm sure that he knows that and everyone in the quarterback room probably knows that, but he's not going to like, just take that lying down. But if, if it so happens that he ends up being the backup this year, he'll, you know, stay hungry, stay working, stay pushing, you know, Keaton to be the best that he can possibly be. But I, I mean, I think the plan is right now, maybe to, to have him red shirt and, uh, then start the next two years at, at BYU in the Big 12. But man, like if he's our starter for the next two seasons, we're, we're in good hands. Um, I think the thing that stood out most to me probably uh, was that his the, the quarterback he models his game after is Aaron Rodgers, which I mean, who, who wouldn't? But that's, <laughs> that, I mean, that's the answer that Zach gave. Like when, when he was asked during the pre-draft process, like who do you model your game after? It was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I didn't ask him the question, who has more swag, uh, Jake or, or Aaron, <laughs> but uh, given the fact that he called Aaron old, uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say Jake's got a little bit more swag at this point in time. Aaron, Aaron ain't rocking no chain. That's all we're going to say. But uh, no, he Unless I it think, had a crystal on it. Right. right. The, uh, the other thing, the one last thing, just because I wasn't there, but the, the other thing that I love too is you guys – kind of talked a little bit, you kind of generalized some of his stats and he's like, yeah, I think he's like, I think I threw for like 4,597 yards. And like, you just like list it off. And then he, and then on the end, he talked on like, Oh yeah. And like six rushing touchdowns to round the touchdown number up to 50. Like this, like this is a guy that goes out there and he knows like the numbers that he can put up, but also like what he needs to do in order to be successful. I think, I think we take specifically somebody like Zach. I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked about the New York media and and everything, but he he obviously talked a couple of weeks ago about how he told Connor Hughes that he doesn't really look at stats. And, you know, I think there's some some pros to that. I think, you know, not being more worried about winning the game is something that's commendable. But I think also knowing like, look, like this is like the type of numbers I can put up. Like this is what I expect of myself every game, whether it's like average, averaging 350 yards, like three touchdowns, like whatever, like that has its pros too. And like the fact that he understands like the numbers he needs to put up to be successful and to look good, like, and then he went and then he goes and he does it. I don't know. Pretty cool trait. What'd you take away Hunter? Um, I love the confidence. I love that, you know, he really seems to have bought into the 
BYU, you know, the BYU team, what it takes to be a BYU quarterback. You know, like he's obviously not a BYU guy, Um, you know, didn't grow up a BYU fan. And yet in the interview, he was talking about the BYU's history with quarterbacks, talking about Ty Detmer winning a Heisman, talking about Steve Young. Uh, before we hopped on the interview with him, just behind the scenes, you know, Joe and I were talking with him uh, and he mentioned, you know, wanting to get in contact with Zach Wilson and wanting to chat with Jaron Hall and, you know, what learning about what it takes to be a BYU quarterback and just the buy in from him. Uh, I came away really impressed with, you know, obviously his parting thought of let's go win ourselves a Big 12 championship uh, is something you love to hear from any quarterback. Uh, and, and especially a guy, you know, who's so new to this, so new to Provo, new to just the BYU culture, the BYU fan base. Um, he really seems to be all in, which I came away really impressed by. Sweet. Love it. So if you're listening to this, Jake, thank you so much for joining us again. We've probably thanked you a million times, but yeah, we are so, <laughs> so, so excited to have you on board. Uh, so I guess without any further ado, uh, we got some awards to give out. Um, the the hypeies officially. So I don't know if we got any award music for that, but uh, I, I guess I guess let's get no I guess let's get to it. <laughs> we got yeah, music for everything except for awards. Some awesome awesome turnout with the hypeies. So if you didn't vote, you missed out. Uh, we had I think ten awards, nine awards. Um, given out, voted on by fans. And we did not fudge any numbers. We did not, you know, go against what the fans said because uh, we had 632 of them submit submit a vote um, for the end of this year Hypey Awards. And these are 100% fan voted. Uh, their voice, we're obviously like to say our podcast is the voice of the BYU fan base. Um, so we let them choose. And 632 responses is way above what I thought. Uh, we would get, I would probably need to go back and see what we got last year when we did the Hypey Awards, um, how many responses we got, but shout out to the BYU fans who showed up and showed out and uh, made their voices heard with, with the end of the year awards. So with that said, should we get to the first award? The first award that didn't play a lot, but we love them award. I wanted to title this the Houston Haymuli Award, um, but it actually was not Houston Haymuli who won. Not to spoil anything, but Houston, uh, Gunnar Romney, Carter Wheat, and Jackson McChesney, the four finalists. And the winner, uh, did we, I guess we didn't discuss who's going to say which who won each award, but I'll announce this one. <laughs> uh, the winner of the Didn't Play a Lot, But We Love Them Award with 77.7% of the vote, 491 total votes, is Gunnar Romney. I think he played in two games, Utah State and Notre Dame. Uh, had like five catches for 59 yards, something like that. Uh, the graphic that we will put out will have those exact numbers. But shout out to Gunnar Romney. We thought this would be a big Gunnar Romney year. He obviously had this injury in fall camp, had other injuries through the season, never really got healthy, and now he's moving on to the NFL. But uh, shout out to Gunnar, getting the love from the BYU fans. Uh, I appreciate that we called this the Houston Hamuli Award because he is he is the winner in my own heart. If for no other reason than he retweeted us uh, and yeah. thanked <laughs> us for for listing him on this award. Uh, but not only that, Houston Hamuli was uh, BYU's third highest rated offensive player according to PFF. Granted, he only played 22 snaps, but he had an 87.3 percent grade, which is only two 
two points lower than Puka Nakua. So just throwing that out there, Houston can ball. And I also love that he put out a NFL announcement, even though he didn't have any eligibility left. <laughs> <laughs> Got to respect it. Got to love it. Make fullbacks great again in the NFL. Um, I mean, by those numbers, if he would have played more than 22 snaps, BYU probably would have been 12-0 and 0 at the end of the regular season. I mean, one we, man. At I least see no flaw in your logic. At least, at least would have beaten Notre Dame and ECU, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Notre cool. Dame would Trevor, have been a win. Arkansas, Liberty, all wins <laughs> if Houston plays more. All wins. Trevor, all right. You go with the next one, play of the year. Yes, the next play, the next award is the play of the year, and as a complete shock, I'm sure to everyone, spoken sarcastically, um, the play of the year was awarded to Puka and his touchdown catch and ultimately the game winner against Boise state on the blue, the tiptoe, you know, insert, obviously RG threes, you know, he could say all sorts of wonderful things to describe it as well, but the player of the year, Puka touchdown catch against Boise. One of the better catches I've seen in my lifetime. Congratulations, Puka. What a play. 80% and of Puka, the vote. I mean, rightfully so. And I'd like to thank you, Puka, for saving my relationship with my family. Because of you, I am invited back over to my sister's house because that is where we were watching the game. And if that got ruled incomplete, boy, oh boy, uh, I would be on rocky terms with uh, a lot of my family members. So appreciate you, Puka, for uh, saving my TV, as Max Hall, old Max Hall would say on Twitter. Do we think that that's on the Mount Rushmore of uh... – BYU uh, catches, touchdown catches? I mean, in terms of athleticism, probably. Like, what would be the others? Like, there's a couple catches I can think of in my lifetime alone that were insane that no one else probably remembers. Like, Cody Hoffman against Georgia Tech in 2013. Yep. I mean, Johnny uh, Harleen against Utah's up there. Right. Austin Colley had a ridiculous catch against Arizona in the bowl game that no one remembers because it was ruled incomplete, but they went and replayed it again. And he like, he got his hands on it's, I don't even know where to find yeah. it, but those I mean, who know, Sam, know. Samson's last year against uh, Boise state. Like I would probably put that in terms of difficulty. Like obviously there wasn't as much on the line, but like <laughs> Samson's catch against Boise state last season, I think was a more difficult catch. Really? Oh, I don't yeah. think so. Mossing someone isn't nearly as crazy as contorting your body while getting held, catching with one hand, and then dragging your toe. But I mean, I think jumping over another human being who's like <laughs> in your face. No. As it's someone like dunking who is... on someone versus like a crazy scoop layup, right? Yeah, fair. Well, as someone who has mossed someone in his life, ultimate flex, oh, I agree Brett. that there's no, there's no, there's no better feeling than that. Uh, okay, uh, game of the year. Um, this one should also come as no surprise. Uh, the award winner is Baylor, the Baylor game, uh, which seems to be the only one that any recruits seem to remember, but for good reason, because uh, that game was super nuts. Uh, where would you rank the atmosphere from the Baylor game in terms of like games in the independence era? What, has there been a crazier crowd than that? Uh, I mean, just off the top of my head, Arizona State and Utah last year were probably crazier. Um, 
I don't know. I'd say I'd say Baylor more than Arizona State because the reason we remember Arizona State is all the false starts, but we also forced Baylor into you know four false starts and pivotal moments too. So I would give them that I would, and it was in a more critical part of the field. So I would give Baylor the edge for that reason. I'd maybe give Utah the edge because it's Utah, but I'd also not give Utah the edge because it's Utah. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's tough. It, like how do you measure? Like decibels. Show someone yeah. someone who works in audio design. Report um, back. Interesting to look at the numbers here in terms of votes. Are bowl games are they like the most overrated thing in the world? Because like I get like yeah probably I assumed Baylor would be the winner here. Baylor game got five hundred and thirty nine votes. The SMU bowl game, which like let's not forget came down to like the final play, right? Jacob Robinson makes the tackle on the two point conversion for SMU. Like it was, no one thought BYU would win. They were playing their third string quarterback, all this stuff. And they beat an SMU team who like, I didn't think BYU had a chance against. And that game only got 23 votes, like less than 4%. Is it just that no one cares about bowl games anymore? Like it wasn't even like that. Like at the time, it was a top twenty-five matchup against Baylor, but like Baylor didn't end up being that good at the end of the year. I, I wonder. To me personally, I think in this case, it's which bowl game it was. Like, I mean, if we had somehow ended the year and we beat some team in the Fiesta Bowl, then I think that probably ends up getting a ton of votes, right? right? But the I guess if the, if, if the BYU versus SMU bowl game had played out the exact way it did, same opponents, like play-by-play, identical, but it was the Frisco bowl instead of the New Mexico bowl, does it get more than 23 votes? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just... you know, Because like, in actually... the grand scheme of things, you could say that that SMU game was just as meaningful as the Baylor game. I mean, like in hindsight, yes, yeah. but in that moment, the the reason we remember that game is because of what, of what it represented. It represented that, okay, last year Baylor kicked our butts and it made us feel like we weren't ready for the Big 12. Well, now we feel like we can physically match up. And then, you know, the rest of the year happened and maybe we thought, okay, maybe that was a little foolhardy. But in that moment, in that we moment, <laughs> we beat a top 10 Big 12 team and we felt ready in that moment. And that I've, that has that has given me sustenance for the last four months. Hey, we can handle middling Big Twelve teams at least. <laughs> I'm gonna say but something. I mean, you, maybe... you can you can make you can make an argument that SMU is better than Baylor this year. I mean, I don't. I think they are. Like SMU almost beat TCU, who was in the national championship. Um, I'm gonna say something here that is gonna be controversial. In the national championship. Everything after that, you know, they were there physically. They showed up. Uh, well, physically. <laughs> I'm going to say something. This is maybe a hot take. It may be controversial. I think the SMU win did more to help my confidence going into the Big 12 next season than the Baylor win did. It's fair. Because it showed me that, like, it. Hmm? I, I just go ahead and explain. Cause it showed me that like, Hey, the group of guys that played in that game, like are going to fight. Like we, obviously there were like the questions about BYU giving up 
you know, is the culture bad, all this stuff. And it sh the SMU game showed me that, you know, whatever happened in the middle of the season, that the culture is on the upswing and the talent is on the upswing, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And you had Jay Hill in there and Kelly Papinga in there for a couple weeks going in. And I know people are going to say, oh, they didn't really have anything to do with the planning or the prep or, you know, they weren't the ones coaching. But I just think the overall attitude shifted when you got the new defensive staff in and particularly on the defensive side of the ball, which makes sense. And you saw that against SMU. You saw the BYU team uh, and the defense, especially completely overachieve against a very, very good SMU offense. And so that showed me that, okay, you know, Max Tooley, uh, Micah Harper, Jacob Robinson, like the guys who showed out in that bowl game who are going to be back in 2023 for the Big 12, like those guys are going to be key guys. And they're going to play hard every single week, you know, whether it's a meaningless bowl game or not. Um, and just, you know, got me excited about the Jay Hill era for the BYU defense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Hunter, do you want to list off the newcomer? Uh, yeah, newcomer of the year. We had just three finalists here. Obviously, you know, we I think we talked about it last week. These are specifically guys who this was their first year at BYU. Um, so we had Kingsley Suamatea, Chris Brooks, and Gabe Judy Lolly. And the winner with 73% of the vote, 461 total votes, is BYU running back Chris Brooks, who BYU fans were not high on after that. USF That's surprising. How, how much of the percent of the vote did you get? 73%. Second okay, place that's... was Kingsley with 22%. Wow. That's surprising. So it's actually the closest. It's the closest vote <laughs> so far. <laughs> that's actually surprising to me because I thought, you know, BYU fans are way lower on Chris Books than I was. But I don't know if you guys saw the highlights of the Hula Bowl, uh, which is kind of like a one of the, you know, college football all-star games that they have to prepare people for the draft. Uh, Chris Brooks balled. He did really well. Uh, I think today I read that he uh, he met with the Washington Commanders, left hand up. Shout out to Jackson Payne. Uh, but I think that's that's like, I don't know. Is there a chance that he gets drafted? Uh, probably not. Well, probably not drafted. I if I had a if I was a betting man, I'd say not drafted. I mean, that's what I would say too. But you but see curious, undrafted. Like, you see undrafted running backs like land with teams all the time. Like I, at this point, it's the norm. Just because right. running backs are a dime a dozen, like no team wants to devote a lot of money and salary cap to the running back. Like they'll just bring in a bunch of guys like Tyson Williams. Like he's been in the NFL since he left BYU. Like he's been, you know, it was on the Ravens and he was on the Colts. Now he's with the Cardinals. And I think Chris Brooks is better than Tyson Williams. Yeah. I mean, that's probably Another a bold take. take. Yeah. I, I, that's the thing, though. I mean, Tyson was awesome when he was in. I think but, Chris Brooks is better suited for the NFL than Tyson Williams. How about that? Sure. But I, I think they're – I don't know if they're like – I don't know. It's not like it's not like uh, Tyson Williams was a burner either. And But I think Chris Brooks might be faster than Tyson was. And I think Chris Brooks is bigger. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think – I Apparently, I got proven wrong because I was under the impression that BYU fans looked at Tyson more favorably than Chris Brooks. But uh, I yeah, don't know. I, I just thought... look at that. I look at that stat line of like 130 rushes for 817 yards. What is that? Like six yards a carry? That's like, I think that was better than Tyler Algier last year. Like Chris Brooks balled and no one noticed, but I'm glad that someone did. 
Yeah, I think his average is like 6.8. That's insane. I, to, I made That's the graphic. Really I need to look really at good. it. <laughs> That's insane. Hold under on, I'll have a definitive answer here in just a second. Under under that same uh, commander's tweet, Joe, I know that um, the comparisons were to Antonio Gibson, who played for the commanders. Uh, well, Another commanders legend. And so, I mean, Antonio Gibson found a way to make it work. You might see Chris Brooks, you know, out there running with the ones with Dax Milne. 6.3 yards per carry. Awesome. RBU, baby. That's RBU. so good. I do- and we're about to throw an Aiden Robbins into this? And maybe LJ Martin? Maybe. And we still got Hinkley Ropati? And we just brought in Paul Malay? Or how, we'll how talk, do you we'll, say we'll, we'll, we'll get there, Paul Malay. We'll, we'll talk. Easy. We'll, we'll right, jump, jump with the gun. Jump with the gun. Let me see what Tyler Algiers. Um, I think he was 5.5 last year. Cause, yeah, because now I'm curious. Tyler Algier in 2021 averaged 5.8. In 2020, Tyler Algier averaged 7.5. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was like Algier was also getting a lot more carries. Right. So So, who knows? Maybe if he gave Chris Brooks that many carries, he'd probably run for less. But or maybe he runs for more because he has more big plays. (laughs) Like Chris Brooks last year, Tyler Algier got more than double the amount of carries Chris Brooks got this season. But to be clear, we're not saying we're not saying Tyler is is worse than Chris Brooks. Just just throwing what that we're out. Saying Tyler's, is BYU for is my money, RBU. Tyler's the best running back. Yeah, <laughs> we're saying BYU's RBU between Jamal Taysom Hill, count them, and Tyler Algier, and now Chris Brooks. And we might add two four-star running backs to that room this year. So, yeah, just run the dang ball. Anyways, breakout player of the year, Trevor. All right, your breakout player of the year. With 39 catches, 459 yards, six touchdowns in eight games before suffering an injury. No shocker, at least in my heart. Cody Epps, absolute burner in out there at receiver. Loved watching him. Obviously, took until the Oregon game to get going as far as touchdowns go. But didn't look back after that and continued to be a huge threat. Um, and a big main target for Jaron Hall uh, during that middle of the season. So your newcomer of the year, or excuse me, sorry, breakout player of the year, Cody Epps. Second largest Uh, voting margin. Got 86.6% of the vote. Next closest was Keanu Hill with seven. Well-deserved. Now, question for the group. Go on. Excluding Puka Nakua. Okay. Cody Epps is the best receiver after the catch since when? Since who? In BYU. Mm. I don't know. That's tough because I feel like there's some like shifty guys that maybe didn't necessarily get the amount of catches, but they were really good after the catch, you know? I don't know. That's a good question. I'd have to go back. Maybe. I feel like like you have a name in mind. No, I was, I mean, <laughs> I feel like Cody this Hoffman, is not a rhetorical. Cody, no, Cody Hoffman was better after the catch than most give him credit for. Neil Powell I mean, Cody was Hoffman was also a kick returner. Right. Neil Powell was pretty good after the catch in 2020. He had that big long run against Coastal that got called back too soon. I mean, Dax, Dax Milne? I don't think so. 
I think Cody's Cody better than Dak. Like maybe JD Falslev, if we're really throwing it back. <laughs> Zach Colley. I don't know if That's if you good... guys if you guys got an opinion on that, tweet it out to us. I wish I need Sports Reference needs to give you uh, a little more more stats. I need yards after the catch stats from Sports Reference. We'll research it and get back to you. Uh, or if you know on... BYU, calling BYU stats man, how about that? Who are the best? Right. If he, I think he listens, um, and we'll I'll tweet at him. But who are the? I need the best five best BYU receivers in yards after the catch of the Independence era. I'm gonna see if I can. Sorry, this is a live show. Filler. Filler. Uh, so yards after the catch. So Cody Epps had 226 yards after the catch this year. On. 459 yards. So How many did Dak that's about Smith half. have in 2020? I'll research it. We got to we'll, we'll keep moving. Um, special teams player of the year, Ryan Rico. 40 punts, 800 or 1847 yards, uh 46.2 yard average and uh the New Mexico Bowl record for uh longest punt. And I'm really excited to have him back next year. He is the uh original version of my favorite version of punt god so <laughs> he also had a 71 yard punt this season against i think he, Carolina. he had he went over 80 last year right yeah last year he had an 81 and then this year the long was 71 Where does BYU against BYU find these guys because i'm pretty sure byu punter held the record was it lee johnson who held the record for ncaa for a while with an 80 yard punt probably i mean that's just that's insane, insane. I feel like he this needs was... a. I feel like he needs a nickname. Like, like in the NFL, Uncle Greg Zerline has Greg the Greg the leg, but like Ryan, the, the Ryan Lion Uncle Rocket. Rico. I don't know. Uncle Rico, love it. This was the largest uh, margin of victory, eighty-eight percent for Ryan Rico. Hobbs Nyberg nice. in second with eight percent, and then people really were clinging on to the Jake Oldroyd struggles in the middle of the season because he only got twenty-five votes. But we love him. Love Jake. All right, defensive player of the year. Should we let uh, Trevor do this one since he's got to take off? Absolutely, we'll take this one. Defensive player of the year. 57 tackles, 33 of which were solo, two tackles for a loss, one sack, three interceptions, two of which went back for touchdowns and one for his fumble. None other than Mad Max Tooley himself. An absolute demon out there on the field. I mean, I think one of the things that stood out to me was his hit against Baylor this year where he just absolutely just stood a man up right in the hole. And honestly, like the man played like a guy possessed. So your defensive player of the year, Max Tooley. Also sabermetrics, one shoe throw. Can't got to get that one in there. Advanced <laughs> for all the, is that factored into PFF Joe? Uh, shoes are no, but I can write a letter. All right. Him and Zach Daw, which I need PFF to grade out the the shoe throw <laughs> by Zach Daw and uh, Max Tooley, see which one to grade it out higher. Also, Cody Epps averaged 5.8 yards after the catch this year, and Dax Millen averaged 5.3. So there you go. Pretty close. 
Uh, all right. So long to Trevor. Off. He had to hop off. So long, Trevor. Two-man show. Offensive player of the year. The offensive player of the year. A stacked category. Probably the most stacked category. You obviously had Jaron Hall, QB1, Puka Nakua, who had 10 total touchdowns. People forget that. Uh, you look at the receiving numbers and it doesn't really stand out. And then you realize he had five rushing touchdowns as well. Kingsley Suamateia. And then Keanu Hill. And the winner, with 445 votes, 70% of the votes, is your QB1 NFL-bound Jaron Hall. No surprise, I think. Yeah, that I agree. Guy. Yeah, I like, can't argue with that. He he had the quietest 3,000-yard, 30-touchdown season in BYU history. If he... I, I, feel, like, I feel like people are going to remember last year better than this year in terms of Jaron Hall, but this year... Oh, yeah. Jaron Hall was insane. If he, if his shoulder wasn't made of wet tissue paper for like four weeks, how many yards does he have? Oh, I mean, you throw in a bowl game and uh, Stanford as well when he didn't really throw. Well, and he only, he only threw it, what, like 15 times against Notre Dame? Yeah. I mean, he probably throws over 3,500 easy, right? Yeah, because what is he at right now? 31? 31, 71. So, oh, easy. Probably the, yeah, easy over. Probably the quietest. He had 160 uh, pass efficiency rating. Like, I think, uh, like, good is around, like, 150. Like, 160, yeah. I think, was top 10 in the country, if I'm not mistaken. So, well, Jaron Hall, of- we're, we're going to feel that loss this year for sure. Well, I mean, simp for Slovis, baby. I don't know. Yeah, let's go. Um, or, I mean, actually, the Riz for Retzloff. <laughs> uh, I mean, speaking of top 10, I think he's number six on, like, Mel Kuyper's top 10 quarterbacks for the NFL yeah. draft. Like, it's literally, like, all the guys who are, like, those will be the first, like, two rounds, three rounds maybe, right? Like, Will Levis, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. Like, those are going to be first-round guys. And then I think it's, like, Heaven Hooker. And then Jaron Hall. Right. Like, I, I'm i willing to be bet. A third round, third, fourth round pick. By the time the combine and pro day rolls around, Jaron, I don't think Jaron Hall will go later than the fourth round. I you think were talking on Twitter. Third. You were like, he'll make a jump. And I was like, I don't know if he'll jump anyone on the list. But just imagine he goes, he goes into the combine and runs like a four five. I think when I think when you say jump, I could see like goes in with like a fifth round grade and comes out with like a late third round grade. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. I don't think right he here. I don't think he would move up like the board. Of I don't think he would move up past like I don't think he would maybe he'd move above Hennon Hooker, but I don't think he'd move above anyone else. Oh, he certainly wouldn't move above Hennon Hooker's the only one I think he could jump, and I don't think he would, but Anyways, we, we had a long offseason to talk uh, NFL draft stuff. Yeah. Um, and then take it away. Final yeah. award. So this is our final award, player of the year. Uh, I think this is probably the most obvious choice on the board. Uh, our nominees were Puka Nakua, Jaron Hall, Mike Harper, uh, and then who was the last one? Blake Freeland. Blake Freeland, that's right. Uh, so this is probably the most obvious one. The winner is... Micah Harper. I mean, I love Micah. <laughs> I love him. No, don't laugh. 
Don't laugh. He, I mean, he was a top four finalist. No, I. Um, this we will sell out for anyone who retweets no, us, which is why no, this like this, this, I don't want to say it's why Micah won, but like he retweeted, and so you got Micah Harper fans in here voting for your boy Micah Harper, like he absolutely deserves it. Like he was a beast on defense. I'm sure I thought it would be Jaron, but we got I Micah Harper. Puka. Puka didn't win a single award. Except for I mean, Puka also only he also missed like what like three four games. Fair, fair enough. But I was I was gonna say there was one thing Michael Harper did that none of the other guys on this board did. He used his platform to promote the Hype Train podcast. And for that yeah. reason that reason alone, he is our player of the year. And I fully support that because yeah. he's gonna be the anchor of this defense going into the Big Twelve. Uh, and again, he used his platform to to promote us. So all the love yeah. in the world for Michael Harper. And apparently the Michael Harper hive. Which he clearly has. Yes, the Harper Hive. Let's get, print the shirts. Um, I don't want to end this on a negative note, but shame on you casuals. Only 11 people voted for Blake Freeland, the highest graded uh, PFF player on BYU, who's going to be at worst a second round NFL draft pick. I mean, he's 11 he's votes. Best, Blake Freeland 2%. was the best player on the team this year, right? Yeah, but obviously line, it's not flashy. I know. Right. Like that that's the thing. You never really know the lineman's name. Like I have to be told when a lineman's doing really well. Like gratefully I have you know access to PFF and other rankings that actually track offensive line stats. But I like it's it's kind of funny how like fans recognize offensive linemen because I'm pretty sure no one knew, knew who Connor Pay was. And then randomly, the BYU football account tweeted out that he was the number number one ranked uh, pass blocker, pass blocking center in the country. And that week, he got benched for Joe Tukawafu. And everyone's like, "What is our coaching staff doing benching Connor Pay?" And I'm sitting here like, "You didn't even know who he was two weeks ago." But... See, I I would counter with the argument that I think BYU fans are in the top two percent of fan bases in the country that in, when it comes to knowing offensive linemen. Oh yeah, because we have offensive linemen who are ballers. Yeah, but I also just think like BYU fans, for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, I could name our five offensive linemen, whereas I think most fan base, other fan bases, probably couldn't name more than like two or three. I don't know what it is. We just love because maybe it's because it's just like they're just like the big boys from you know Bountiful and Payson. The BYU fans are like, yes. Give me, give me the kid. Dude, uh, put some respect on Orem High School's name. Give me the kid from Westlake High School. You know, who played quarterback at Harriman. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, speaking of offensive linemen, to close up the show, uh, there was a big commitment tonight. Uh, Utah, uh, former Utah center Paul Miley transferred in. Um, announced that he's he, he signed with BYU. Uh, this week, what's your what's your initial reaction to that signing? Well, I mean, I just talked about how we know offensive linemen. I don't know much about him. I know he started 16 games for Utah. Um, obviously, a center. He'll probably play center, and they'll move Connor Pay to guard. I'm I would guessing. actually, I would argue that so Miley started his career at guard and then moved to center. Okay. Uh, so okay. my guess is he's going to end up being the right guard if I had to put money on it. Mostly because I think Connor Pay is better, but also because uh, Connor Pay already knows the offense. 
Um, and the center is based is essentially the quarterback of the offensive line. So if you already got a built-in guy who knows the offense, keep him where he is, move my to guard. But either way, I, I mean, don't think you can months. go wrong. You got, right. eight you got all the spring ball. The offense. You also have new, all new quarterbacks. So you don't have like the center quarterback relationship that it's like, oh, Connor Pay is already familiar with Jaron Hall, right? Like both guys are going to have to learn Slovis's cadence, you know, his way of operating, like all that stuff, right? Right. So, um, but I mean, look, anytime a guy goes from like being a full time starter at the University of Utah and decides I'd rather go play in Provo. I'm all about it. All about it. I love, love it. nothing more. I think he's essentially like he's the equivalent of the Clark Barrington transfer this year. I think a lot of Utah fans, I don't know if they were expecting him back, but when he entered the transfer portal, everyone was just kind of scratching their heads because they're thinking, wait, he was our starting center. He's been here for four years. Like why transfer for your last year? And I think that's kind of similar to how we were feeling about Clark Barrington. I don't know all the reasons why other than like BYU rules and uh, like why wouldn't rules. you? In, in the words of in the words of Jake Retzloff, what isn't lovable about BYU right now? Uh, Especially but, as a right guard. Yeah, like maybe maybe he just needs a change of scenery. Uh, maybe he needs to somewhere he can come in and, and just be in a different atmosphere. Um, he's already got a lot of friends on the team. He was hanging out a lot with uh, during this whole process. But maybe he just thought I want to end my college career with a good taste in my mouth. You know? Yeah. I, so, so who knows? Like, who like knows ending, why it's entered like the portal dinner with, a dinner, with a nice dinner mint, you know? Right. But uh, kids a stud. Um, again, multi-year starter at Utah. Uh, started all 14 games for them this year, I believe. Um, and he balled out for him. Utah obviously has a you know a really good offensive line that runs the ball well and protects the quarterback. And I. It's certainly a position of need. I probably feel a lot better about the offensive line tonight than I did, you know, two weeks ago um, with all the, the departures that BYU has along the offensive line this year. So I'm guessing your projected starters are Ian Fitzgerald at right tackle, uh, Paul Miley at guard, Connor Pay at center. I'm not sure about left guard. Maybe uh, Waylon Lupu, Lop, is it Lapuahu? Yeah. Uh, Waylon Lapuahu, uh, and then Kingsley at left tackle, and then that's probably your starting offensive line. But who knows? Like left guard's probably still up in the air. You got guys like Peter Falonico who are young dudes who are probably going to give it a give it a run. Yeah. But um, the the good news is BYU has depth at that position again. Where I again I think two weeks ago it didn't look that way. So yeah, good things in store for the BYU offensive line. Um, I always, you gotta stop saving me for last because I end on negative, but I can't believe BYU lost to Gonzaga. Oh, dude, I, we almost <laughs> did it. We almost made it the entire show. Thankfully, Trevor is not here to cash in on my, uh, my obligations, oh, but if I can, next week. but if I can just go on a little that. bit of a monologue, the issue with this BYU basketball team right now is they just do the floor well. They don't they don't play well with each other right now. Like, and I'm not gonna like act like it's all doom and gloom because they just took, you know, the number eight team in the country to the wire. Um, but I think BYU what, had 15 turnovers or something like that. But a lot of these turnovers that BYU is having, it's because a pass is being thrown to a spot 
where they're anticipating a player is going to be there and the player is left the vicinity. So that inbounds pass that Jackson Robinson um, inbounded to, to Spencer Johnson, got stolen for a wide open three. That pass was him throwing it to a spot where he thought Spencer Johnson was going to go and Spencer went the other way. There's a few different times where uh, Noah Waterman threw to a uh, who he thought was going to cut and the person didn't cut and it ended up being a turnover. And so I think that's kind of the issue is you still have a very, very young team who just doesn't see the floor very well. I think Dallin Hall is another one of those guys where I just don't think the, I guess the bat, like I don't know if the basketball IQ in terms of passing is quite there. And if it is, which I, I think it will get there. I think part of the big issue with Dallin right now is he allows himself to get trapped in a bad spot. Like there's a reason they let him go baseline. Like he'll drive to the hoop. They let him get the, they let him get the baseline angle. And before you know it, he has nowhere to go. And so he has to like throw a kick out past the corner and someone's waiting on the other team to, to intercept it and take it the other way. So that's my two minute monologue about what's going wrong with, with BYU basketball right now, if I had to sum it up. Besides, of course, the fact that our three-point shooting absolutely sucks. I mean, it's great for the first half or like first like 25 minutes against Gonzaga. Um, I was going to say the biggest issue for BYU basketball is that they don't have Trevin Nell. But it looks like he returned to practice today, which was good. Oh, good. Um, to end on a good note, uh, BYU baseball, I believe, had their media day today or as big of a media day as BYU baseball gets. I just saw on their Instagram, they were doing some cool video shoots and photo shoots at the stadium. And they're 31 days away from first pitch of the uh, 2023 BYU baseball season. So they they signed a pretty good recruiting class this year. Yeah. They opened up the season, Louisiana tech last year, you and I committed that we were, I'm wearing a BYU baseball hat right now. Um, Last year, you and I committed that we were going to go to more BYU baseball games. And I don't think I went to a single one. So this year, me and you, and Tre- well, Trevor's in Colorado. Me, you, Chandler, and anyone else who wants to join us. We're going to uh, more BYU baseball games this year. I got the jersey right here. There you go. I Yeah, my jersey is hanging in the in the other room. But uh, Bees also announced they're moving today. That's not BYU related, but let's go South Jordan Bees. While we're on the topic of baseball. Such an overreaction. Uh, anyways, that was a wild, uh, any... It was a wild morning on Twitter. People apparently care about the Bees very much. Strong opinions. All this, all this talk about a view that's not as good as the one in Provo. Uh, but with that, thank you guys for joining us here on the BYU Hype Train podcast. Uh, it's been another long listen, um, but we appreciate you guys being with us. Uh, and congratulations to all our Hypey Award winners, especially you, Micah Harper. Thank you for shouting us out and uh, getting us a few more listeners. Thank you to Jake uh, for taking the time to meet with us. Um, Go follow him on Instagram. Do whatever you got to do to make sure he feels welcome here in Provo. Uh, Hunter, any final words? Uh, this Now that we're in the offseason, we're like fully in the offseason, right? Like end of year awards kind of marks the close of the 2023 football season for us. And I mean, granted, we're not like the biggest basketball talkers. Um, we're trying to get more BYU players on. So obviously, shout out to Jake for joining us. He's our second ever player interview after Mason Wake. Um I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but I think we have some good contacts already with a couple other guys who are going to be hopping on potentially, you know, maybe other transfers like Jake Retzloff was, um, you know, try to get some guys in front of the fans talking a little bit more. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Last offseason, we kind of went dark and MIA and didn't record till football season kicked up again. We'll probably decrease the frequency in which we record over the offseason, but season, but 
uh, when we do, we're hoping to get some players out. So if you have any connections to players or if there are guys that you want to hear from specifically, like if you're, you know, a listener out there that's like, man, I really want to hear from, you know, Ryan Rico or let's get uh, Jacob Robinson on the pod. Like tweet at us, DM us, whatever you want to do, uh, and we'll do our best to get those guys on. So excited for it. Sweet. Love it. Thanks, guys, for listening. And go Cougs.